David Bowie. I've got a um, picture of him when he got arrested. It's a brilliant photo. His mugshot. Oh, really? Yeah, uh, it's great. He's just stood there and obviously he looks fucking incredible. No one looks it. <laughs> I mean, I didn't look incredible, mate. Uh, I put him in my toilet anyway. Dude. <laughs> brilliant. Hi, I'm Connor Byrne and this is That's What I Call Marketing, the podcast where you will hear from the leading lights in the marketing world and listen to their unique insights. And you just heard a clip of today's guest, the brilliant Niels Leonard. He needs no real introduction, but if you don't know who he is, he's one of the founders of Uncommon Studios, along with Lucy Jameson and Natalie Grain. He spent over 20 years in advertising. He was the youngest chair of Grey in London, voted Adweek's top creativity top 100. He's on the list of the Sunday Times most 500 most influential people in the UK. Uncommon work with some of the biggest brands in the UK, BA, ITV, B&Q, and they've been named Campaign's Creative Agency of the Year. The list of accolades goes on and on. Niels was in Dublin giving a talk at a joint IAPI Marketing Society event. And shout out to IAPI and Marketing Society for that, for coming together, raising the bar. Let's do more of that. He kindly joined me afterwards at Core Creative in Windmill Lane to chat. And what a location, because this episode is rock and roll from start to finish. We talked about how Neil started Lamb and Mint Sandwiches, that first break, his time at Grey and how getting Grey at Grey made him realise there was more to this. We discuss curiosity, we kind of debate that a little bit. We talk about the work a common has done, why it matters to matter, ambition is okay, hiring right, ferociousness and common now taking on America and his base, his rocks, his family. If you listen to this episode and are not inspired, well, you decide what to do. Don't forget to subscribe to That's What I Call Marketing wherever you are listening or watching. And if we can help you grow your business through marketing, visit that's what I call marketing.com and see how we can help. Today's episode of That's What I Call Marketing is brought to you by the Indie List, Ireland's leader for freelance marketing, creative, and digital talent. The Indie List provides easy access to hundreds of highly experienced and vetted experts across the marketing services business quickly and cost-effectively. You can check out their full range of services at IndieList.ie. Niels, thanks a million for joining me on That's What I Call Marketing. Thanks for having me. Yeah, listen, really, really delighted to have you here. And in person, I don't get to see many of these in person, yeah, so right. it's extra, oh, okay. extra special. Cool, yeah, extra no, it's good, thanks. Uh, listen, obviously, getting ready for this, I was kind of looking into, you know, you, not creepily, looking into you and your background, but art is in your your DNA. You read your dad was a tattoo yeah. artist, there was music around yeah. the house, was always kind of, destined for you to do something in that, that well, no, I mean, business kind of no <laughs> I mean I'd love to say yes but I kind of don't think so I mean yeah my dad was a tattooist but you know my family were very creative my mum loved music and loved whatever and, and we all played instruments and all that stuff but I don't think either of my parents and certainly no one in my family when I grew up thought that we could make money from it right you know and my dad being a tattooist was one way of doing it because you didn't have to get some cash in hand and do whatever but yeah. he also got up to all sorts so you know, some of which wasn't strictly on the books and some of it wasn't even legal. So, uh, you know, but I think honestly, I think it was more that it was this incredible privilege and brilliant thing to be creative and none of us worked out how to make dough out of it. Right. And so I thought to myself, well, that's the thing. How do I make some money out of something I really enjoy? And from a working class background, that's not a conversation people have. Yeah. So where did that kind of where did you find that path to kind of go, actually, Didn't when you called it, what was the, the, the slutty version, of, version of art? Where did that yeah. come to well, you? No. I, honestly, I want to tell you that I read it and I, I just didn't, I just made it up. Right. 
I swear to God, I just made it up. Basically, I watched, there was a load of film, one or two things, Strangely Dangerous Liaisons with John Malkovich and okay. Glenn Close. Obsessed me, that film, and I couldn't work out why. There was all sorts of, loads of love and shagging, of course, <laughs> but this weird thing about a game you want to play with yourself and who are you and who aren't you and all this. Uh, I basically just started to refine this kind of taste and this belief that someone out there was making this work. Okay. I'd go to the cinema and see fragrance commercials and those are fucking amazing. And that was when they were good. Yeah, yeah, shit. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but I was like, and I just, honestly, I told myself this story that advertising might be uh, a place where my gab and my speed and my whatever might be put to use and I might get something creative out at the same time. Right. And I'm, I wish I had something other to tell you than that, but I've kind of manifested my whole fucking life. Yeah. Is before that realized. was a thing. Yeah. I went to the job set. My dad was like, you've got to get a job. <laughs> Awful. And I went and tried to do some landscape gardening with him and it, well, I was just embarrassed. You know, I was fucking, he <laughs> was like ashamed of me. Um, I ordered a minted lamb sandwich in the cafe and he was like, I started. What? <laughs> fucking wrong with you. Uh, to this day, he takes the piss out of that. <laughs> You know, one cheese and pickle, yeah, another cheese and pickle, yeah, I'll have a minted lamb. He was like, who are you? Who the fuck are you? <laughs> so, so all that. And and I went to the job centre and said, have you got any jobs in advertising? And she went, well, I've never been asked that before. She said, let me have a look. And she said, I got one. One yeah. job. And that was the job I got. Those are moments though, weren't they? They're yeah. kind of seminal. Yeah. You know, she'd kind of gone, I've yeah. never heard of it. Out you go. You know, who knows? But like at those, yeah. there's always looking chance and moments yeah. in, in your life uh, but I, I also read that you then you read a lot you found yeah. people that inspired you yeah. and you kind of you just got curious about yeah. it how important was that in kind I've, of i think my wife disagrees uh, we talk a lot about this i'm obsessed with heroes and with villains yeah. and in life though not you know and your proximity to energies and your proximity to people who are doing things you think is special people think they can't be in the orbit of that but they can Right. And I'm obsessed with breaking down those barriers. So people like Nick Cave, I've been obsessed with for years. We've made a film with him. You know, wow. Leonard Cohen was a hero of mine. I ended up working with him in Los Angeles making, you know. And so I've got this fiction and um, draw and belief in being around people that inspire you. And, yeah. and entering their orbit and having them enter your orbit and it both being mutually beneficial. And so I've always done that. And so early in, in my career, I got lucky with a couple of people who just loved what they did. Yeah. And they taught me to love what I did and that, that was good, you know, and uh, yeah, I've, I've followed that ever since. Really. Infectious. Yeah. The kind of... Well, just passion is always really attractive. Energy is yeah. attractive, isn't it? Yeah. But someone who loves what they do is attractive, but also I learned the power of it. I learned that when you were really good at it, I looked around me and I thought, what's the difference between this person and this person? And the person with the corner office or the person that everyone listened to be the person that loved what they did more and were able to articulate and were able to speak to it and take it on their journey. And I was just like, right, okay. Yeah. And then you look at, and forgive me, I'm, I'm blurry, aren't I? But no, no. You look at the untouchable figures in culture, be them actors, be the directors, be it whoever. They're people who have the deepest understanding of their, of their craft. Yeah. It's a Nolan. It's no fucking accident, dude. He works harder than you. Yeah, yeah, he's not yeah. The best director in the world because he is. He's got taste. He's got all that stuff. The guy, you see the mind maps of his films. He's trying to do things that haven't been done before, and as a result, when he succeeds, they're things that haven't been done before. Yeah, yeah. Inception changed everything yeah. in cinema, and so um, yeah, I, I, I just tried to follow those people. Thomas Heatherwick's one of those guys. You know, having met him and now we're working with him, watching what he's done in his space, how he's re reinvented himself from being arguably a product designer to being a you know. An experienced designer to being one of the world's most in-demand architects 
Yeah. I'm like, okay, that's, and everyone assumes it was always Thomas's way. It definitely was. Yeah. You know, so, you know, short story of that is, I think surrounding yourself with those people teaches you to believe. And yeah, and I, I, look, I don't, I don't disagree in any way. And I, I I do think there has to be the the interest and curiosity that you have in yourself to go and find that stuff and those people. And I, I don't know if that's, that's lacking uh, sometimes. I think it probably is, but honestly, I you describe it as curiosity, and I find that word, and I shouldn't find that word weak, but I find okay. that word weak. Like for me, it was I needed to get the fuck out. Okay, yeah. I wanted to learn. I wanted to change. I didn't want. My mum and dad were incredible and taught me love and all sorts of brilliant lessons. But I'll never forget my mum saying, "I just don't think that's what we do, son." To about, and I remember finding that intensely tragic. Right. You know, uh, and thinking, well, no, that is something we can do and we should deserve that and we can have those things. Yeah. And that's something that's there with my whole life. Yeah. You know, being outside, I hate. <laughs> if there's a shut door or a velvet rope or if I, like, like, it's like, I'm going to, it's Tinder. Yeah. It's <laughs> like, I, I can't deal with it. What do you mean? No. Yeah. <laughs> like, I can't, I just can't. And so, yeah, I've learned, I've learned to go. Is that why when you, you say you want to, you want to make work that matters. Yeah. Is that why that is yeah. so important to you? That yeah. like you actually, it well, matters to make work that matters, if, you know? Well, I, you know, if you're going up the ladder, I got into advertising, I realized that I could make creative work and get paid for it, that I could be creative and do what I like and actually make money. So I removed that compromise. Yeah. That previously been in my life. Then I was like, oh, I can make work that does this thing called winning awards and that's interesting and that's quite special and people see you. And then I saw work appear and I was like, hang on, that's way beyond that. Yeah, it's winning awards, but that work in the world was famous and people in the real world talked about it and people in the real world loved it. Yeah. And I saw that in terms of film that was made, I saw it in terms of products that were made, freight, whatever. And so I was like, well, that's the ultimate goal, isn't it? Yeah. You know, if you're going to keep going up that ladder, at some point, you're going to be asking yourself, well, how do I make something that's a reference point? How do I make something that speaks to someone like me when I was you know, 16? Yeah. And that was one of the reasons you set about setting up yeah. Workham yeah. Studios was the ability to to matter and make more work yeah. that matters. What? Because you talked, um, you've talked about Grey, and you you started to make work that mattered yeah. there. You know, it was an yeah. overnight success. Apparently, no, no. it took eight years to <laughs> change years my old. hair color. <laughs> the overnight <laughs> success that turned me grey, literally, literally grey. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, thanks, Grey. Yeah, Didn't know that was in the contract. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. Um. Was it that you weren't able to make enough of the work that matters in grey? Or like, what was that moment? Yeah. Like, we need to do this ourselves. Well, uh, yep. We made a couple of bits. We made the Angina monologues for the British Heart Foundation, who, while they were at grey, by the way, were a brilliant client. We had three, you know, they, they single-handedly taught me that you can pitch your way out of failure. So grey was not a great place. It had a roster of clients who didn't want ambitious, uh, challenging work, didn't really want to disrupt. And we won the British Heart Foundation out of nowhere with a great pitch that behaved completely radically. And we said, Nothing you do should be normal. We're not going to make a fucking advert in inverted commas. The very first thing we did was a simulated heart attack. Second thing we did was the Angela monologues, which, you know, won a British comedy award. Right. In yeah, yeah. That was before, yeah, yeah. And I yeah. mean this sincerely, that was before we even knew what branded entertainment was. Right. People weren't even using those words. So we basically made a comedy show that lasted for an hour. Female comedians teaching you about heart disease through comedy. Hosted by Victoria Woods. You know, it's taught me brilliant. so many fucking lessons that yeah. entire project. Um, and then we made Vinnie Jones, you know, staying alive. Yeah. Oh yeah. And so that's amazing. that taught me as a, as a canon of work was 
if you pitch and, and start a relationship in the right way with the right ambition and then follow through on it, well, you can just make that work all the time. Now, of course, Gray was great and we did a load of those pitches, but we also did pitches, you know, because we wanted to win. Yeah. And we also had a load of clients that weren't making it. So I woke up and I was like, right, we've made Life Paint, we made that, we made a few other bits too. There was a load of good work, Sunday Times, all the above were great, but I was like, what if every client? Yeah, yeah. What if I didn't have a single fucking passenger client? Yeah. Could I run a studio like that? And how much fun would that be? And how much better would my life be? And our up? Be? Yeah. Um, how scary was that moment? Because, I mean, it's, it's a big step. You know, you're in a really... Yeah. Good, safe, huge job. Lucrative, well paid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. All the things. Yeah, I was that rich. Yeah. A 16 year old you was probably going, yeah. well, maybe you weren't, but like, you know, it's, no, it's a right. lot to kind of have that no, moment. Right. Like, how, how was that? It was really good, but also I, I was afraid. I think for the first year I got cynical and it got easy and I was paid a vast sum of money and I was like, why am I not happy? And I realized I wasn't growing and I was in a bubble and got afraid it would pop and it would have actually i really believe this i think i was not going to be happy and i think i was there was just a weirdness to it that it got big and it had done its thing but I, there was nowhere to go really other right. than trying and keep the whole place inflated and try and you know i just was it was speaking the wrong stuff to me there was stuff underneath it that was saying if you stay here you'll die it's that i mean in a weird way um and so i was like no i've got to do something and uh, i started talking to droga actually Oh, did you? Yeah. Not a lot of people know, so I don't think, I don't know uh, about doing something with him in, in London and um, I am Denard and eventually didn't. And he called me one weekend and went, he's a you know really smart dude. And he went, uh, yeah, all right, you're not going to do it. Yeah, fine. But I'll tell you what, you're also not going to do. You're not going to stay where you are because you can't now. Right. So good luck starting your own thing. And I was like, fuck, okay. Okay. And he kind of articulated, I think, how I was feeling in a way that I hadn't quite yet. Um, and so then sat down and went, right, let's do it. Wasn't an easy start. There was, you were trying, were they trying to pull you back? No, they were trying to fucking <laughs> fist me. Uh, yeah, they were trying to sue me. No, I mean, you know, they were scared and angry, I think, at WPP and whatever. And, you know, I don't agree with their strategy. But yeah. They were. And so as a result, they were trying to use contracts and legals to halt our opening and to mess with it and to distract us. Right. Someone's strategy is fine. Um, and so, yeah, we had a tough start. We couldn't build clients we couldn't speak to anybody we had no money in the bank so it was a standing start wow. side. in many ways i'm grateful for it are you why yeah. well because it made us fucking ferocious right and also i was like i'm gonna fucking eat you man right i'm gonna come for all your shit i'm gonna come for all your stuff man i'm like i'm gonna you know and, and weirdly i, I kind of didn't in the end what i realized is i didn't want any of their stuff right that's what i realized okay but it gave us a ferocity and it gave us an anger that i now realize we eat like fuel um, and is that still yeah. six years in that yeah. the not, ferocity is still not, there? Not at them, but just, no, no, just, yeah, general. general. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, look at our work, man. You, you oh, feel, yeah. You'll feel it when it drops. Yeah, yeah. Um, you might not like it all, but it's all got the intent. And I, we, we have this phrase that Toby actually, who's one of our strategic partners, um, Lucy's right hand, he said uh, an interesting thing. Uncommon is we don't ever try to have the same year twice. So, and we don't right. like it's not enough to. We don't look at our award tally and go, well, let's get one more than that. we just go how do we step everything up again so the britain get talking work has been running now four years five years you know it's created over 100 million conversations it's the uk's most recognized mental health charity we should probably be just be sitting back in our cardigans instead we're not we've kind yeah, of gone yeah. actually how do we even up it even more so 
the, the recent one with homework where we've got like, you know, 75% oh, of the schools in England taking it. I think that's an unprecedented. Yeah. Now that's like a fucking dream. Yeah. And that's like influencing the curriculum. Yeah. You know? So yeah, yeah. I, I, we are still genuinely scratching the surface of what we think is possible in mm -hmm. our space. How far could a creative company go? How much could we matter? How much could we impact on our circumstances? You know, globe, never mind. Yeah. How do you, it's not, you, well, it's 170 people are, are around that 190, in, 190 yeah. in a comment. Like, how do you, how do you not, maybe instill is the wrong word, but how do you bring everyone on on the journey? I guess hiring is part of it. You're yeah, hiring yeah. the right people. Yeah, but is. like, that's it. As you get bigger, maintaining that yeah. culture and that you know, yeah. willingness and yeah. want. Hiring is really important. You have to hire exceptionally well. This isn't a popular thing to say, but it is true. High performing places need to call it very fast on people that aren't. Yeah. And, you know, when you hire people, actually, every, what I've discovered is you only really, particularly with creatives, they can have the best book or the worst book in the world. It's actually irrelevant. You know them in the job within about four weeks of hiring. You, there's no other way to tell. You can't ask them questions in an interview that really tell you. Yeah. So you start working with them and you know pretty fucking quick whether they're going to fly. Okay. And I think most people are scared to then make a change. Make call. I think we're not. I mean, we're not, you yeah, know, yeah. In, in my, because I view it as protecting the people that are special. Yeah. And also probably doing that person a favor because they're never going to you succeed or be happy or, yeah. you know, all the things you probably were. Also, do you remember being in an agency where people say, oh, they're part of the B team? Oh, yeah. It's the B? Yeah, 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 yeah. And we were like, right, so we have this no passengers. And, yeah. and we, we mean that sincerely, which is it doesn't benefit anybody. Them least of all, they just feel shit about themselves and they feel like they're not up to scratch. Yeah. And they're like, it's sometimes it's not even about a level of quality. Sometimes it's just a fit or an intent yeah. or an energy. Um, so we're, we're pretty keen on that. We keep, we do the same with clients. Um, you know, and the other thing we do is try to make our culture concrete, but sort of, I don't like when people go, oh, I don't like the culture. And it's like, what do you mean? And they're like, you know, we sit around and we have like bean bags. Or I'm like, we have questions, you know, we have stories right. and we have key ways of of working and i think that's a culture i think a culture is like well what questions are you asking of this work yeah you know, in what format and there's uncommon questions we are how's it famous what's the icon for the idea how's it going to travel how's it going to be shared what will someone say about it what magazine's going to talk you know like we have a like litany of this right. stuff and that's culture yeah to the point where you know people start saying it without the script and they just they just have their own words for it and they find their own way into it but they're angling at the same stuff. Yeah, they know. I asked Heatherwick how, um, it's a really interesting question you ask. It's such an expansive one. He's been going like 20 odd years. I hadn't realized. And I said to him, how, how do you do it? How's it so good and whatever? And he said, look, everyone can talk a load of stuff, but he said that he had six or seven people who'd been there for 12 years, you know, who were his, his right hands. Yeah. It was like, they speak the language, they understand the intent, they have their own way of doing it, but that's ultimately it. Yeah. Have you got enough people that get what you're trying to do and then take it further? And it's like, I think it's interesting there is like, if you, if you were pulled out of the equation, yeah, yeah. that it still goes yeah. like, do you know what yeah. I mean? That is still there. It's, it's innate in people and they, I think so. They get it without you, I you know, because I think there's always a risk and danger yeah. that the people are, oh, of course. without well, him. You know, yeah. It's like, well, no. Yeah. Well, I, honestly, I think, um, I think there's a spirit at our place of kind of fucking, <laughs> In the, in the nicest way, which is what I'd have said. Yeah, um, yeah. But, you know, Christopher and, and Benny and got some amazing people, you know, Taya, Cecilia, you know, Elia, Lisa, like this wall-to-wall -wall people who you could have got in this room 
and asked about the uncommon process. And I would argue they would have all said it in different words, but they were all said the same, the same. thing. And I'm like, those people are the ones. And they hold, Christ, man, I'm, I'm held to account by my junior creative teams. You know, I have re what we call reviews with them and I feel reviewed, not the other way. Right. Like, okay. Okay. You know, like they're pushing real, you on yeah, the, there's a real fucking spirit of challenge. Young. Brilliant. You know, it's not comfortable. But that's great because there's a sense, like you have to create, and again, culture being, yeah. you know, a, yeah, yeah. a bit of shit word, right. like the safety in a way of people being, going, I'm okay, I'm going to, you yeah. know, if I don't agree with them, I'm going to yeah. say it because there's respect. Yeah. But, well, there's a personal ambition, which oh, is the thing. Yeah, they're not yeah. trying to get on. You know, right. They're, they're sort of going, I came here because I was going to make the most important work of my life. And you're getting in my way. And is it, yeah. And is what you're saying going to make it happen or not? Right. And so there's a real, you know, it's quite ferocious. What's the energy like in the place? Because yeah, like, hi. hi, you know, don't take all the caffeine out. <laughs> no, it's, it's good. Look, honestly, it's a really trusting, very high performing place, but it's incredibly open and everyone's very, very generous. Um, but the energy, there is a real spirit account. People yeah. fucking say stuff. Yeah. And very fast. And the level is really high. Um, but the crew there are a fucking crew, you know, they're, die for each other and they rescue each other and you know it's really inspiring it reminds me of uh, I haven't worked in a Michelin star kitchen it did work in kitchen mm. but it reminds me of a kitchen that level yeah, of is. just the you know the yeah. pace you can't let up because a bad dish goes yeah. out that's it that's it but that is but that's our view of the studio yeah bad dish goes out like what are we we're not yeah. the only point of difference we have is our level but I, I remember hearing this thing about BBH and I had a perspective on it at the time and someone said Back in their heyday, they called it joyless. I remember thinking, well, what happens when it's not excellent? It's just fucking joyless. And that's part of everything. I don't think uncommon is joyless. Yeah. I think it's ferocious. I think it's bright. And I think it's fun. And I think it's thrilling. Yeah. I think it's the most thrilling place people might work because the stuff we do has been done. Yeah. No one made the ones I can see before. No one stopped national television for bringing it to the We do that shit every other month. Yeah. And so... Um, I think it's thrilling. The work is phenomenal. And it's like, it's incredibly well known. I love um, the recent Comedian Saves. Oh yeah, cool. God. Yeah, great. It's just like, it's attitude, it's punk. Thanks. It's like, it's air, like, that I comes just... from Dan, man. That The founder of Communion is one of my favorite people, Dan Hegarty. Uh, you need to get him on here. Yeah. He's incredibly special, massively, again, articulate to that whole conversation. And he started Habito, you know, originally and, and went and did Communion and he's just a very special dude. But Dan, called me one day I'm on Lambs Congress Street pick up the phone we ended up 45 minutes and he was like you know he basically said no one should die poor wow whoa I was like Look. he knew what he was doing yeah <laughs> that is not his first fucking radio I've got bills on the phone like, <laughs> hooked straight in my mouth I was like yeah we'll do it for free Dan yeah yeah, like, <laughs> even from yeah Lucy and Natalie were like what are we but um he's exceptional so you know but again it's it's I then go to him and go, right, I've got this whole fucking script where we're swearing and yeah. absolutely everything you want to free. And he was like, yep. Yeah. And a half he was like, it's fucking great. Let's go. That's brilliant. So, you know, he made a money box that looked like someone saying fuck off. I was just like, it's great. It's like, it's phenomenal. And it's like, what's interesting about that, I was talking to, to Brian from Core Creative yeah. here about it. And, you know, there's the word bravery gets thrown around, I think, too easily. Oh, he was brave. Yeah. You were brave. Everyone yeah. was brave. But like, what does that actually mean? It, but it, it's more about the difference that was going to yeah. make to his business, yeah. let's be fair. Your business yeah. and but also the yeah. world, like yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. You call it brave, I suppose, but is like the savings world is so fake. Like, there's all these ads still 
where there's a lens flare and there's you know some yeah, yeah. kid on someone's shoulders yeah, yeah. and they're like, "Where well, did you save for that?" No, you don't. You save to get the fuck out of your house, or because your landlord's an asshole, yeah, because you hate your lover, yeah, or because you don't want to be controlled. Like, these are the reasons you save. I just don't. I can't believe no one had done it. You know, yeah. I, like, I think that's maybe how I felt when I saw it. It was, was like, great. "How has nobody done this?" Yeah, like that you know, line. I mean, Christopher got to that line. I think save enough to save yourself. I was yeah. just like, "That is fucking gold." Brilliant. I was just like, yes. "You could have that on the wall of a company." For, 10 years yeah so yeah that I, i'm glad you like that man. i love it i, I love can't it. wait to i just want them to get a bit more money so we can do more work yeah <laughs> yeah well love so yeah. yeah people yeah communion saves yeah get on communion uh, saves. Uh, my kids are going to kill me if i don't ask about fc24 oh yeah right? let's do it now so i said yes. i'm going to meet the guy who anyway i haven't got any codes <laughs> i can't give you codes so they said my, my 10 year old was like well you gotta ask him why like ronaldo and messi weren't on the cover i said i don't know if he has the answer to that but Oh, because they're not the best players in the world? Disgust. <laughs> Just drop that hand grenade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a Liverpool fan, so... Oh, I know. Can't uh, it. But, uh... Yes, so, but it, a phenomenal piece of work. Yeah. A bit, like... Obviously, that was a big departure for EA Sports. Yeah. Moving away from, like, FIFA legacy yeah. and had to create something that, I guess, was new, but still people felt connected to. Yeah, that's It was right. going to be the same game. That's right. Right. Um, Talk to me about kind of how that came about and, and your role in it. Um, brilliant brief, sort of brief. I, I would argue we built the studio for, you know, we always said we wanted to be on the receiving end of the most influential and important briefs of our time was the guff that we wrote at the start. And I was like, that is a genuine ambition. And when that came in, it was like, okay. Uh, DJ was my lead <laughs> client who, Michael David Jackson, who is phenomenal. You know, and again, all, everything you're, you know, liking <laughs> is a result, I think, of the partnerships we've created. Mm. So DJ came and he said, look, a real moment you know it's a moment in many many ways and you could have approached that whole situation couldn't you two ways one way could have been it's a don't fuck it up yeah i think a lot of the organization probably wanted it to just be a don't fuck it up which is you don't have to shake the earth yeah yeah you just have to make it nice and people will buy she dj was like no this is a reset moment it's an important thing to have done yeah and it's yeah, the yeah. biggest it's the biggest entertainment property in the world and so it was like, and I'm saying that in hindsight, I, didn't, I wasn't there at the time thinking that, but it's, <laughs> and, you know, the BBC called it the biggest entertainment rebrand ever. And I was, what? The thing I was desperate for was, was a story in it, you know, because a lot of design work in the studio, are, you know, runs a legitimate design practice. We've done some work I'm very proud of in that space. Some design work can be a process of almost creating something that isn't spotted. Yeah. You go through a redesign just to make something feel about right. And yeah. no one really notices it. And it was not that. Yeah. It was like, yeah. I was desperate to have a story inside it and something in it that gave that new property meaning. And so when we discovered the control triangle, when we talked about the world game, we talked, you know, none of us can change the game like all of us. 150 million players we were like owning the control triangle. Then the magic trick of that having hidden plain sight for 20 years, yeah. that was enough of a story for everyone to latch onto it to go okay that's good that's got some depth it's not like here's a new logo do you like it yeah, yeah. it's irrelevant whether you like it here's the story story yeah so felt to us like it was a get out of jail but, and the, but you did a huge amount of stuff for them yeah, like I mean activations and yeah loads and, yeah, yeah. Loads, which was, but, but was that so, new at the time for you or no we did a bit of that yeah. stuff but not on that level right. I mean two things I still marvel at the amount we were let into the game, the experience of the game. If you look at the branding, the typography, yeah, the angles, the grids, the colouring, we lived through the whole experience. Did you? Yeah, that, like, the boy, my boys wanted to know yeah, that as you'll, well. You'll, <laughs> right. like, dude, it, you'll see it, like the animation, the way it 
moves. It's in the center of the game for the entire experience. Yeah. Which I'm just honestly still, you know, very privileged, I think, to have done that. Um, but then, yeah, we, we, you know, we launched it with a load of stuff outside of it, but we also had a three-day event uh, clubhouse. Yeah. That was definitely the most ambitious uh, experience. I mean, we had every baller yeah. known to our, like Ronaldinho, Drogba, like my heroes. <laughs> and in a three-day space in Amsterdam, and we we sort of promised ourselves somewhat naively that every touch point would be remarkable. So okay. So we said, like idiots, how do you walk in and have to share something? So we made a version of the control triangle that sat above everybody that came in's head so they could share it. So they had the thing, made an AR version of it so you could share yourself with it. We were like, as you walk through, how do we recreate a real tunnel that smells like grass and flares? So we commissioned the fragrance. No, no, wow. we, we went for it. We absolutely went for it. Every, there's corner flares, like everything, everything. The wristbands, the corner flags, the beer was yellow card, red card. Like it was, it wasn't. And so we, we took on far too much. I mean, the team were incredible, but were probably lit for espresso, just shooting base. But, uh, but it was, it was a hell of an endeavor, but that was, I think, again, a reference point. Yeah. Experience for the studio. Um, so that level of depth, I think to us, we could, we could do any event under the sun now. And we've already had two or three other briefs. Have you? Yeah, it's really good. We love that. I mean, we, I, I don't like to call it experience. It's called it physical or, or environmental design, which is much more where we want to play. Okay. So when someone says, you know, we'd like to launch this thing, I'm like, well, okay, what physical manifestation of that are people going to share and talk about? Not. How do we have quite a nice party with a pub? Yeah, but that is not. Yeah, we don't yeah. want to be doing roof parties, but you know, that's not it. Um, around the roof. Yeah, no, no, I know what you, you mean know, though. It's, it's like it, but is that it's that next level yeah. thing? It's yeah. like yeah, that's been done. But the yeah. privilege of making something physical. So what EA taught me was was it's all a privilege. But the, the privilege of of creating a physical thing that you can walk in and out of, and that you can hold your phone up to and share, and that you can lean on. That's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. And so how could you possibly waste it with another deep, the average garden party for a gin? Yeah. You know, <laughs> the world doesn't need more of those, dude. It doesn't. But other time. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, um, yeah. Look, okay, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't disagree with you. You are listening to That's What I Call Marketing, a partnership with The Indie List, where you will find experienced and vetted marketing talent, people like me, and also people who design and people who write. You get the idea. Check out the indielist.ie. You are listening to That's What I Call Marketing. Do you need help growing your business through marketing? Well, check out our services at that's what I call marketing.com. Get in touch today and see how we can help. Uh, I was going to ask you um, about out of home. Oh, yeah. You, you do like out of home. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously. I have to ask you, you one know. question. Did you put the out of home outside mother's office? I, I was listening to an episode of a podcast. You're like, I didn't know they'd one outside their office. Did you do it? <laughs> Can't talk about it. Okay. Um, having told you previously, I'm fueled by these petty things. What do you fucking think? What I heard was like, there's absolutely no way he's not. <laughs> Brilliant. It's fun, isn't it? I mean, yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Um, I guess, what is it about out of home that you're, dude, you know, it's great. Yeah. It's great. It's the last way to be like, you know, I think it's come full circle. I remember people would go into agencies trying to persuade you to write out of home adverts because people weren't booking enough. And I'm looking at it now, like 
if you want to define a brand as having scale or in a moment of change or has having some conviction or important thing to say, you get that. Oh yeah. Last great magazine covers, you know, you can't flood it with crap. And if you do flood it with crap, it's just dross. So, so don't, and, and you just go, you know, it's 40 foot wide, dude. When was the yeah. last thing, time you made something that was 40 foot wide? Yeah. You know, that's yeah. like incredible. Um, in an age of fame screen. Yeah. And you, it, do you, is this, you think like a signal of we've, we've arrived, like we're, we, we're yeah, yeah, or change or, yeah. or, or like I say, conviction or, or we mean it. Yeah. Or here's a thing you need to know. Yeah. You know, particularly if the brand didn't big, I like it when brands use it to, to ascend. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but being cute, you know, it, it was so good. Like all our work for them, I think has this, they're a national, you know, they're our national home improvement. You know, yeah. I just think that them to appear around us like that at scale is great. Bright orange, pink. I just love it. Yeah. So I love the body language of it. We talk a lot about body language, but I like the confidence. Yeah. 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 It is. So. I also think, man, it's the last place to make what used to be album covers. You, you, just, you know, yeah. I think if you get it right, they're either our, our, our best form are either convictions, and by that I mean statements, we will grow again, you know, business leisure mischief. Yeah. Hope is power, you know, or they're, um, or they're just beautiful visuals that had still had intelligence in a time when intelligence has slightly gone missing or been, or been construed as complicated, which is very different. Yeah. I was in, I briefly had a stopover in, in Dubai and like literally six hours, but I, I was out and I saw the size of the out of home there. And yeah. what struck me, not the size, cause yeah. like everything yeah. grand there, but they were beautiful. Yeah. This is beautiful. Yeah. Wow, I kind of yeah. miss that because I think yeah. there's a, a real tendency for yeah. us to throw everything at our home. There's some stuff. You're absolutely right. Like when you go to New York, there's some stuff that only works if it's 100 feet. Yeah, yeah. So you can have a black and white photo of someone in a pair of jeans and you'd be like, what's what? And then you put it 100 feet and you're like, ooh. Yeah. Because the scale of it and the restraint of it are powerful. It's not restrained or, or powerful on a phone screen. No. Someone in a pair of jeans is no, no. normal. Yeah. <laughs> It's scrollable. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. But that's, I think that scale, I think, just is tantalizing. You talked a bit about the, the importance of like those client relationships and asking the question, like, why are you here? Which I, I love, again, I love the simplicity yeah. of that question of forcing. Yeah. What is the, I guess, what is the, what is working for you with the client relationships? Because you've also kind of said that, you know, client services was kind of, was mm. the, the death, the start of the death of advertising yeah, in I a way. So. How does it work though? Because you, how does it, well, How do you service the relationship? Client partnership. Right. So it's just a different name for it or no, a different No, names? it's a different belief. Like, okay. I think we are in service, but not necessarily of our clients. I think we are in service of a bigger mission. So with ITV, we're in service of reminding the UK that their broadcaster is the broadcaster, that one of the only people that can hold a mirror up to, you know, one of the only, you know what I mean? And yeah, so yeah. We're in service of something together. And our best partnerships are genuinely um, leveraged with equal ambition. You know, so Paddy at being q DJ at EA. I mean, DJ at EA in our first couple of months was like, what was all the fuss about? Is this really the best Uncommon has? Like, kick my ass. Really? Yeah. And it was like, okay. <laughs> you asked for it. Um, but it's, and so uh, our best clients are not people who want to give people money to be pandered. Our best clients are people who come to us with a genuine need for some form of change or some form of impact. Yeah. And they believe that we are best place to give. And so the, the conversation isn't one of, in my, in my parade of show ponies, do I like this one most? 
markets. Those guys have a real fucking point to prove. And if I need what they offer, I mean, there's only one company. Yeah. There's only one studio I need. You know, we're not, I, I would argue we're not in the same business as other studios. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so that, that's what it's in service of. And I've always believed as well, and our clients wouldn't say this because they're lovely, humble people, but I want them to grow and be successful. Yes. Everybody that works at the studio to become brilliantly successful and known. And, um, you know, I would argue that that's also something we both give each other. There's no way I could talk about Uncommon and not thank Dan Carroll and Nicole and Hamish McVay and all these people because it's been a critical part of our story. Yeah. The reason I'm sat with. But they're also, I guess it is a critical part of their story. So is there, is there a need then for more marketing leaders? I guess, you know, I mean, there's only one Uncommon, but like marketing CMOs yeah. to kind of be going. To see that, to go, yeah. I actually need this. This is elevating me, the company, the agency. 100%. Yeah. It's not bad. No, and I think there's a humility, particularly in the UK and Ireland, maybe. That, and it's lovely, but it's also limiting. Yeah. And that, that humility, I think, is stopping. I mean, let's talk about the Irish market very quickly. I think you've got some very, very ambitious, creative people here, but I think you've all talked to each other in a way where now no one's come out and gone, no, I, me, I, here's our story. I have this to add. In an arrogant way, like in a, you know, I don't have very long here. Yeah. 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 And this really matters, you yeah. know, and I think they don't have to be CMOs. They could be founders, which I wonder is, is a clue. But I think a crew of people here need to come up and go, right. I've got, you know, if the 18 month CMO cycle is true, I've got two fucking years yeah. to do something here and I can either get through it and glide or I can become a reference point for my time here. Yeah. Now you look at people who've done it globally, like Fernando Machado, you know, David Patton before him at Sony. These guys have all benefited from having a pop at it. Yeah. And uh, I would just say that, um, I would argue that a CMO that put their head above the parapet here and said, I want to go, I want to do two years worth of very, very famous work with some partners that care. I think they'd have a queue around the block from Irish creative jobs. Yeah. Because I know, I spoke to those guys, but I know how hard they want it. Yeah, they do. You know, so I, feel like yeah i don't know you know a really interesting question today at the talk from one of the cmos who was like you know what brief would you how do you get people excited about a brief well, like, really not hard in ireland <laughs> you know you take it personally and tell them you want to do something that becomes a reference point that matters to you personally as a client people chop their arm off to i think that's really important like the person i think yeah. you know we're going to be afraid to yeah. you know show that side and and our our own ambition you know some people talk about you know things like you know power and influence and, and again ambition is up there as yeah. one of those nasty words but it can't be ambitious because then you have an ego yeah. it's not you don't have to be an asshole the companies you really know understand and like about they're changing the world whether you like it or not they're all personal yeah Tesla what you tell me that's not a personal thing for me whether you like or loathe that guy yeah Tesla is a personal you know statement of his view of the you know innovation and um, I, I just I think we have to grow up a little bit worrying that the personal somehow means not yeah it's not a choice yeah how important is it that, that you have then a, a leader like a ceo that also also is, has that yep. personal ambition because that can often yep. be the the fear you either need the ceo to share it or you need the ceo to inherently trust the cmo yeah yeah um all our best relationships you know are, are one or the other and you know our really good relationships are, are where both are in tune so the CEO wants to make that impact, sees the benefit, it understands it, doesn't necessarily understand the nuts and bolts of it, but understand enough that the energy and fame we're going to bring, I pay the business back. 
Fame's an important word, actually. I love the word fame, mm. you know, because it's, again, yep. it's also one of those words people are yep. worried about using. Yep. You know, I, I want to be famous. I want my work to be famous. I want my brand to be famous. Yeah. But, but like, yeah. What? Well, it was, I mean, what? We did a, a chemistry pitch once. Um, and I remember one of the clients in halfway through the meeting stopping me and he's, look, I just want to call someone. I was like, oh, um, expecting some, you know, challenge or some provocation. And he said, Use the word fame a lot this meeting, and is that important to be famous? And I thought, wow, we're never going to work. Right, we're never going to work together, dude. Why? Yeah. Why? What you want to? And I, and I realised though, in the most, I found it depressing. In the most depressing way, he had no interest in being famous. Quite the opposite, he was scared of it, and he wanted, I think, to make some work that kind of glided nicely through the world, didn't upset too many people. Yeah. And he would just, you know, and I was like, right, okay, there are people like that. Yeah. We're probably not. Yeah. yeah. And I don't, I don't buy that fame needs to be somehow dangerous. I don't buy that fame means you're risking your superiors' reputations. I don't buy that fame means your company's on a knife edge. Yeah. It's transformative and it can double revenue. It can do things that rational work cannot. Yeah. I, I just, so it baffles me that that yeah. is still a thing that people struggle with. I yeah. do think there's, there's a fear, there's a, I do that for the CEO, yeah. all that kind of stuff. Will... Yeah, but it's all formed from, also it's also formed from the unknown. Most people haven't made something famous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. By the way, like it's scary. And I think when they, it's very easy to lock fame in the same cupboard as ambition, to lock it all in the same cupboard of, as dangerous. You know, most of our best relationships find it more dangerous to stay as they are than they do to try. Yeah. yeah. And in a world where I guess there's so much sameness like to stand out yeah, well, i agree but yeah. what is more dangerous i mean i mean that's sincerely and also fame is not famous for what you know and we would never say to someone just be famous for anything that's like ridiculous that's moronic yeah you know what do itv want to be famous for well understand the uk and try to help it in a time when it really fucking needs it yeah you know, bring it talking all of the above you know um holding up a mirror to our culture the way that netflix or apple never could yeah you know, and so you go, well, those things are, you should be famous for those. You yeah. deserve to be a national broadcast. What, what was it that ITV said? It's, they want people to talk about this thing that ITV did. Oh, so yeah, in our first meeting, holy shit, did you see that ITV thing? Yeah. Yeah. So there, there was a load of briefs. There was something that we all nodded at in the first meeting. They just wanted people to refer. People yeah. have made, you know, people have made their minds up about ITV at that. You know, whatever, like it's jazz hands, telly, <laughs> whatever. You know, it's like, and, and, you know, I think they've just gone, that's what it is. And actually we're like, no, you know, they had a trans storyline in court 25 years before we were even talking about that issue. Right. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. they've been, yeah. you know, in the UK is thickest subject matter, however long. And we were just like, you know, that's what we needed to get back as well as some fun too, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's important. And then you, you also talked about the, the 70, 20, 10, which I thought was, was oh, yeah. good. Is that kind of a, a permission piece for people to go? Yeah. You know, let me try a bit of this. Thing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, look, um, what's your appetite and recipe for risk, I suppose, or what you consider to be risk? Yeah. And some organization bent the whole heartedly into that. You know, I think Dan Hegarty at Communion believes that, you know, I don't think he has a relationship with risk at all. I think he just thinks if it isn't disruptive in some way, he talks about why on earth will I spend a single penny doing it? Other people don't feel like. Yeah. There's plenty of them in bloody scale that also in the wisest way want help organizing their their organization because the cmo might want it with all their heart 
and they might turn around to the whole organization and they find out they don't. And so at that point, you all have to work together to construct the narrative for that company that lets them do it. Yeah. So Seventy Twenty Ten with us going, look, 70% of the money, spend it as you are, 20% of it, stretch it, but in the media, you usually spend it in and then 10% bash it. Yeah. You know, go for it and it's risk money. Um, and that's where the life payment came from. Oh, is that that came yeah. from a, a yeah, 10% bet? First time we coined that little phrase, we sort of went right and we had life paint, a couple of other things and life paint rose to the top, paid them back. Now a part number. Is that actually? Yeah, yeah. it's a part number of all that shit. You can order life paint. Wow. Yeah. Like it's... But here's the learning. Here's the real learning, man. If I could go back however long, I wouldn't have spent nine months having this conversation, helping organize that company, although I'm really glad we did. What I'd have done is gone straight to Albedo, made the product myself. And then said to Volvo, I'm going to launch this. Would you like that? Not, can I please launch this? Right. So actually you talked about that, like going, yeah. getting it done, yeah. making it, yeah. making it real. And then people go, yeah. oh, I need, yeah. I need that thing. Yeah. The dynamic of the conversation completely yeah. changes. They're going to do it anyway. Should we go along for the ride? Yeah. It's a totally different conversation. It, it made me think actually, we, I remember years ago working in an agency and brilliant creative director, uh, Brenda Fra Flaherty here and more Irish name. Uh, yeah. But they wanted to work for a specific client and we kind of did this whole piece of work. And actually, when I, when you talked about that, uh, earlier on, I was like, actually, the mistake we made is we brought it to them and we show them and say, we've done this. We think you'd love, we think it's great. Whereas yeah. we should have actually gone and said, oh, brand B 100. are going to do this. Yeah, sure. yeah. Well, well, one is a request. Yeah. And the other is a gift. Yeah. And they're very different and you receive them differently. And a request is particularly in our environment. Oh, why do they want to do it? Have yeah. I got enough money? Have I got enough time? You're already on the back foot. Whereas the other is these brilliant people that I now have a newfound respect for yeah. because they're doing their own thing are letting me have the chance to play a part in this. Yeah, yeah. Completely different. It's it far more likely to get the reframing yeah. things. I do want to talk to you a bit about diversity in, yeah. in the industry. And this is two white guys sitting in yeah. a room talking about yeah, diversity. But, um, how do you, how do you see it? I mean, you've 190 people working in Uncommon. I think one of the things for me, I often think about is, are we reflecting, are we able to reflect our audience and understand the audience enough in the work that we make with the people that we have in the industry? I mean, no. Again, mechanically, right or wrong, I view it as a competitive advantage. We've always viewed it that way. Like, we're the only majority female founded startup of our size in Europe still, which yeah, what? It's more for me, like, and I try to transform the conversation because when we go, are we reflecting our audiences? That's a grown up thing to say. It's true, but it's the grown up thing to say. How fucking good can we be? How radical can we be if we haven't got a diverse array of voices and minds? Yeah, yeah. How could we possibly Better hope moved, yeah. to be properly radical? How could we possibly hope to have new views? And genuinely new ways of looking at the world if everybody in the room is the fucking thing. Yeah. That's me. I'm selfish. I'm like, I want a company that is smashing it in ways that people aren't familiar with. And by that, I mean the populace. So therefore you must be diverse. Yeah. So we, we try to be as aggressive and as clear and as open and as candid as we can be about moving the numbers in terms of race, in terms of gender, in terms of all of it. Yeah. Background a lot. How do you do that then in, and I don't know what the, the setup, but like is the studio... Like, do people come into the studio, work there every day? And yeah. are you limiting your pool by doing? 
No, I don't think so. Okay. We, we've got a, a wide array of people. They all work in different ways. We have a thing called the Uncontract that we wrote yonks ago. So we need to rewrite. But the Uncontract was written after getting sued for a um, to basically say we can work from anywhere, we can work our own hours, we can work okay. with our kids, we can work with This was before COVID? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Like literally on launch day, we had it. And it was a reaction to being in a corporate culture that didn't. But okay. Um, as it stands now, we don't tell people when to be in or not. Um, most people tend to come in throughout the middle of the week, but they also tend to come in around projects. And yeah. we haven't really got to do a number there. The studio, Buzz and the studio is major. Right, yeah. Um, and so it feels pretty good. Um, I would be perfectly happy, though, to tell people to come in too. Uh, I think it's a competitive advantage. I think having a crew in a, in a room and, you know, feeding that energy and everyone's shoulders dropping is the thing can't bring on a Zoom. No. Yeah. Um, and that is our advantage. It always has. So I would be perfectly comfortable if people didn't come in to say, because it's, I think it, I think it, I think it makes us go faster. Yeah. With this, the look shortcuts mm. without a doubt. Um, one of the, Paul Durham is a marketer here and myself often debated and it's not the, I don't think either of us have, well, he has a strong view and it's not that I don't, I just push his buttons to see. Yeah, of course. <laughs> because he's now, he was in a role that was all here and yeah. he's going into a role where his yeah. whole team's remote. I'm like, how yeah. are you going to do that? Because you want everyone in the room. Also, it depends, <laughs> on the, um, depends on the state. So weirdly, what I discovered over COVID with my lot, because they were so fucking efficient. The moment we all disappeared and worked remotely, the writing got better. So the quality of writing in the time got better because there were no distractions. That's interesting. So the, the conceptual side mm. of it was incredible. It was like, for me, this is flawless because they weren't being distracted. They weren't going, getting pissed. They weren't working. Yeah. Uh, but when it came to craft and production and collaboration, that dropped and it took painfully. So, mm. so there's clear need states to me where you go, you have to be, yeah, you know, around key production moments, around, you know, um, I think you, I think you should cast appropriately. I don't think it's one answer. I, yes, I, I, I would agree with you there. It's, um, we're going to, we will run out of time, but I want to cut, touch on a few more things. Obviously the recent, um, you've called it investment yeah. from Havis into yeah. Uncommon Studios. Um, big news, largely applauded across the industry, which is kind of unusual sometimes yeah. when you see these things happen. Like normally when there's a, yeah. an acquisition or whatever yeah. we want to call it, people are like, oh. Here we go. They're going to get, you know, wiped out and, you know, they're going to, <laughs> yeah. you know, get merged, like put that with some other, he's in the last couple of days. Yeah, right. But, you know, I, I guess, why do you think it was so um, applauded? Like, why do people love it and say, this is, um, this is great for creativity? Look at that. I think because it rewarded creativity. I think well, <laughs> there is no illusion. The answer the question. Well, right, <laughs> dude, but we are not, there is no illusion. We are not uh, a fully integrated client services model. We are really not. <laughs> right. Like. We are out and out creative shop. Yeah. And yeah, I would argue we have best in like, yes, do we have disciplines like strategy, brand planning, narrative, all the above yet, but we sell creativity. That's what's for sale on. Um, and I think if you can do well out of that and be seen to have done well out of that, that's what people like. And I, I hope that I'll be really honest. I wanted the deal to be a reference. Yeah. Like everything we do. I wanted it to matter to people. I wanted them to see that you could scale a business in this way and it had worth, you know, the Gilbert and George thing, yeah. the world to believe in you and to pay heavily for the privilege. I wanted to remind this industry that you don't have to sell content in inverted commas to go and make some money. Right. Um, so that's the first thing. And the second is that people have overlooked this or haven't really written about it. Most deals we've got addicted to 
to deals where some guy's downstairs adding some letters to your name and then you go and fix something shit. Yeah. And it's like, think about the logic of that. You grow this incredible new company with a new vision for five years. Then someone gives you money and you point all of that at something old. Why on earth would you do? Yeah. Why? Yeah. And I was just like, fuck, okay. So, um, let's not do that. Let's, let's partner with some people, take a bit of risk out of our expansion and our new ventures and just keep going. How did you then, was that part of when people came to talk to you, you were like, probably yeah. why are you here? Yeah. Question again. Yeah. And yeah, then yeah. how is this going to matter? Yeah, we were pretty ferocious. We were like, you know, we don't want to do this. We don't want to do that. We don't want to do this. And it left it left a kind of category of not very many people. You were willing to do it. Well, because yeah, they were yeah. like, oh, right. And, and, you know, those guys that have us with Wendy and Yannick and Donna, and honestly, they were um, incredibly refreshing. They were like, yeah, we, we just really love what you're doing. We get the creative intent. We think it can scale. You know, they'd seen evidence of that. And, and they don't have another us. So they were like, well, why wouldn't we invest in it? And just... You go do you, here's yeah. investment to make it happen. Got, they've got Ken Plus in there. Yeah. Armory, you know, they've got Game Loft. They've got, we, you know, we do film, we do game. We like, we want to grow and learn. So, you know, walking around Ken Plus's office, they've got a picture of Paddington on them. Right. Fucking Polaroid of Paddington with a queen. Right. right. Like, they're not mucking about. And so <laughs> it's like, um, I just looked at all that and went, yeah, we've got stuff to learn here, you know, and, and the scaling plays guys, you know. Playing with a bit of that scale. So as we launch in the States, it's it's kind of thrilling to just have somebody behind us a little bit. It kind of goes back to that earlier point, maybe a bit, and, you know, the maybe weakness of the word curiosity. You constantly have that. You're looking for what's next. What yeah. can I learn? Where can yeah. I be better? Where can we just yeah. blow this to, up? Maybe I, I need to reframe my view of curiosity. <laughs> the way you talk about it is right. I just, um, yeah, I think that's right. It's hunger. Yeah. It's hunger. And it's also a terror familiarity. Right. Ah, oh, yeah. Yeah, really yeah, scared. Of, yeah. Really scared of seven. sameness. Yeah, of seven. Yeah. You you've talked a bit about uh, cracking America. It made me think of you know bands that are like you know huge in Britain and want to crack yeah. America. How's that gonna How's that gonna work? And how are you? Gonna no work? idea. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> we when we started, we and others, by the way, were, were worried that you know that vision that's great, but it'll only work on challenger clients, and then we won't be in QMBA. Yeah, yeah, right. Nice yeah. And they were like, yeah, that's great. But they only work in Britain. And then half our revenue is global. And I think the experiment is, well, how can the way we see the world, how can working with people in moments of change, how can that coincide with a country in the biggest moment of change in history? Yeah. And what a brilliant privilege it is to, to open officially there and, and play a part in it. I've always loved the idea that you go where the heat is. Well, it's hot. Yeah. Yeah, but it is. But there's energy too. Yeah, there's energy. I was in New York a year, maybe a year and a half ago, and the energy was, but I'm not sure if, I'm not sure if I loved the yeah. energy. Look, if you look at our MO, the woods are burning. Yeah. All of it. I'm not saying it's all good. Definitely. But it is some, and it is happening. And people are going to need lots of things. They're going to need levity. And they're going to need entertainment and they're going to need things in the world that remind them of humans and nice people. Yeah. And what a powerful time to be in charge of or custodian of some of these brands and be able to say, this is how meaningful we're going to be. This is how we're going to matter in this period. This is what people are really needing or missing. And I just think that's an amazing privilege. And 
you know, at the very least, we just give them people some ways to laugh through it all, I think. Well, that would be nice. That's, that's a very, yeah, yeah it's needed. Are you going to document it? Feels like something that would be interesting. Probably should. To, yeah. yeah, probably should. I mean, yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. It'd be brilliant. I'd watch that. Like, like seriously, I mean, yeah. that would be phenomenal. Yeah. Like, I mean, you're at this point of, you know, massive yeah. opportunity, as you say, such a moment in that country's, yeah. you know, journey. Yeah. Um, and to document yeah. that and, and show yeah. how yeah. creativity can yeah. potentially change. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah, it's interesting. No way of doing it. I can't bring my laptop with me and do it. I was being, ah, just set it up like this. Um, how do you, um, how do you continue to find, I think, like the heroes and people that inspire you and, you know, keep you, mm. I guess, fresh and, and creative? Yeah. I'm addicted to it. Right. You know, that's my way of, your thing about curiosity, other people go, well, I go to the theater or I, I'm addicted to human impact and uh, I fall in love really quick. Like, uh, Max Porter wrote Grief is a Thing with Feathers and I read it in a weekend and I think it was, I don't know, just spoke. I'd never seen the human language, you know, English, whatever has been around for God knows how long. But the pairings of the words, aphrodisiac disaster, unkillable trickster. Like, who the fuck writes like that? Just out the bat. Yeah. That guy is a hero of mine. I've seen him live now, saw his adaptation of it. Um, we're lucky enough again. Currently, maybe we're working on, on a moving image version of, of events with, wow. with those guys. And, and But the point is, the, when I'm moved or, or see these people and their efforts and their outgo and their endeavor, I don't just go that wonderful. I find a way for us to try to reduce the the distance between them because I know whatever happens is going to benefit us right I used to have this phrase just to have a hero and then kill them because what I used to no what I used to discover though is that most of my heroes are twat oh so, yeah I just want to ask you yeah, about that no but lately they've not been okay you know, Nick Cave is as phenomenal as is he a, yeah. is he really such a beautiful man so irritating when you're on set with Nick and Warren um the energy changes and they bring I'm not being funny without even seeming to try. They bring a, a wise, calm, slow, measured, very beautiful mist. The best way to describe it. Wow. And you are, you're not like there in awe. They just bring, and they're very open. They're very warm. They'll make a cup of tea and have a chat with you. But the fucking vibe is not. It's, now you're talking about a film production, by the way, which go 100 miles an hour, but everyone is really. And, you know, so the best people I think do that, they conjure that. I think Max is incredibly generous. If you watch that guy speak, I saw at the South Bank Ring, you know, he's, and I've just learned that if you mirror that too, like the more of this stuff I do, the more, the more I learn about us and the more I can learn from, from, so I'm veering a bit, but go with me on this, like the act of putting together the presentation today forced me to think about things yeah, yeah. that I would never have codified, but which is who does, who has the time. No, no. Yeah. yeah. So I'm sat there on that fucking plane going, what fucking me? And, uh, and it also the self-reflection really forces you to recognize what's special or not about your, your learnings. Um, anyway, but I, I try to reduce the distance to those series and there is no shortage of them. The more you meet new people in life. hundred percent. So I met a deep son, Gotham, who runs religious sports the other day. Religion of Sports is like a amazing film production company, frankly. Far more with spirituality at its heart and meditation at its heart. Okay. I was like, those guys just phenomenal. 
they're doing. No one's doing anything like them. They've made some of the most important sports documentaries ever, you know, and they're walking around the block teaching, you know, LeBron how to chill out. Wow. Fair enough. How do you chill out? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I need my, I am really, I'm really obvious. I need my base. I need my stuff. I need my anchor. Okay. My family, you know, I like to cook, man. I like to. Do you? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I draw a lot from what I do, so I'm very lucky. You know, I recognize that really early. Like, I like writing and I like problems. They thrill me and make me feel alive. I go a bit mad if I don't have, like, I will. Yeah, I struggle. Right. So, um, and I like growth and tasks. Yeah. You know, settling is my terror, really. And I think with three boys, you can't really. Are you three boys? I've got three lads, yeah. Finn and Noah. Oh, what age are they? 18, 16, 12. Okay. Yeah. Mad. But um, <laughs> but great. And watching their journeys, you know. Watching, yeah, yeah, yeah. Watching. Are any of them heading to... Um... Maybe maybe Noah. Noah's a... This, this one, he's phenomenal. I mean, he started three brands. What? Yeah, he's like skate brands. Uh, he got on Discord before I knew what it was and was recoding Minecraft and recoding Roblox. And I was like, okay. Oh, okay. So like, if I could, I mean, when I say maybe he's heading our way, I'm like, I don't think he'll, I think Noah is. The different way. Yeah. 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 So, there's something in it. Kid is, he's driven by something else. The other two are totally not the same. Jack, I mean, Jack's studying Mandarin. Like, I have, really? What? Yeah. Like what? Cause he my kid. I'm really <laughs> smart. Milkman. Milkman was incredible. I'm like, dude. He's like, oh. he's got a photographic memory, you know, I'm like, what? Oh. And Finn is, and Finn is the most emotionally intelligent person I've ever met in my life. Like, he's like an old soul. I feel like he's been here 300 times. Wow. He just bring, yeah, he's like, he's just the, yeah. he's Nick yeah, 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 he is. He is, be around him. You just feel good about it. Oh, I'm like, oh, wow. there we go. So they're all, they're all. I love that. Your anchor, your base, they're there. That's, that's it. That's you. And that's your. So people are like, what do you do? I'm like, I need that. That. If that's fucks, I'm fucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So Great I'm, bands. Niels, thank you so much for spending so much time. Absolute joy. It's, you know, just no wonder things are going where they are for you. Honestly, your energy is phenomenal. People said it today. Thank you. Um, and it's, yeah. Thanks, man. Thanks for taking the time for this. Oh, fun. listen. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Listen, thanks thank for you. See ya. Thank yeah. you. Never meet your heroes. Well, I definitely met one today and he did not disappoint. There's something different about Niels. He has an energy that is beyond infectious. He pushes, he prods thinks deeply and wants to leave a mark. And he does. As I said to Niels when we spoke, he, he's like a Michelin star chef, like a four-star Michelin star chef. He's creative. He knows what excellence is. He expects it all the time and actually wants every plate, every piece of work to be better than the last one. No dropping of standards. He accepts and expects fame. I get the impression that in 10 years' time, if all of the 190 people that are in Common Studio now were out there doing their own things, making exceptional work, Niels would be a really happy person. What a phenomenal episode. So grateful for Niels, uh, IAPI Marketing Society and Core Creative for helping put the, this one together. Thanks so much for listening and watching. Don't forget to subscribe so you can get a notification of when our next brilliant episode lands. And if we can help you with your growth through marketing, visit that's what I call marketing.com and see how we can help. Thanks again to the Indie List for their support of this show. If you need experienced, excellent marketing talent, go to theindielist.ie. Don't go anywhere else. Theindielist.ie.